Hello! Today, Jen Wilking and I explore the topic of dignity. Jen is a yoga teacher, yoga therapist, physical therapist, and meditation teacher. And we dive deep into this topic of dignity, which is one of her passion projects at the moment. And I love this topic because what we see with our politicians, with the media, with our presidents, with leaders, with people that we look up to, our role models, we see so much of people not treating one another with dignity. So Jen talks about how we can treat someone with dignity while we might not even respect them and how dignity and respect don't necessarily go hand in hand. I also love that she shares with us how to manage and how to treat someone with dignity when we're feeling like they're attacking us, criticizing us, judging us, blaming us. And I think that I needed to learn a little bit about this topic for myself. And I think that you will enjoy this episode so much. So here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast, a place to explore possibility through mindfulness, movement, and self-discovery. Our intention is to deliver insight and inspiration while fostering conversations that are genuine, unfiltered, and deeply human. We hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hi, good morning, Jen. Hey, thanks for having me, Nikki. Yes, I'm so excited to have you on the Connected Community Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about the topic of dignity. And I find this topic super fascinating. After reading your blog, it got me going down the rabbit hole and investigating this topic a little bit more. So I am curious what initially prompted your interest in this topic. So um, about a year ago, I... Um... I was doing more writing and I had this experience with a family member who um, said something to me that that really upset me and I was trying to process it. And um, what came out of my mouth later was um, what really makes me angry is a flagrant disregard for human dignity. And after that flew out, I was like, okay, that feels so true. But also, what does exactly that mean? So I started similarly in the rabbit hole looking into dignity and how different people um, describe it or define it. And I found the work of Dr. Donna Hicks, and she is a conflict resolution specialist and has written a couple of books about dignity. And in her dignity models, she really breaks down what are the elements of dignity? Um, how can we foster dignity? How can we recognize it in ourselves and each other? And then some things to look out for that can be obstacles to honoring dignity. So that got me going. And then I just kept expanding from there on pulling topics in that, that go with it, like belonging and acceptance and benefit of the doubt, things like that. So I'm guessing that whatever happened to prompt this was uh very impactful. So I'm wondering if you would be willing to share a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, so I was having a discussion with a family member and um, she asked if my daughter was dating anyone. Um, are there any boys in her life? And I said, well, actually she's dating a woman and she's very happy. And I saw just the look of complete disgust. And, um, 
the conversation continued. And then she began to talk about other people um, who are gay and how disgusting it is and why they have to put it in our faces. And I just, I mean, I'm feeling it right now. Like it just, it affected me um, physically, emotionally. And I was just trying to hold on because this is a person um, who's been in my life for a long time, a person that I care about, and I did not want to escalate the situation. Um, so I tried to plant some seeds, like talk about, Hey, you know, what about this and share what I, what I believe and see if we could kind of, um, talk more about it. And when it became obvious that it was going nowhere, um, I just kind of wrapped up the conversation and got out of there quickly because, um, it was both, there was this feeling of like, pain and, um, grief. And then also this deep aversion, like, just get me out. Like, I, I don't know what else to do. I just want out. And so in processing that, that was the root of, of everything that came after in, in, in reading the things that I read and writing the things that I read, trying to figure out how to better engage in that conversation, because I didn't feel very well equipped. And it's, it's an ongoing process trying to figure out how to add dignity to a situation instead of escalate the situation. And so that's, that was where it started. I think that, um, the most interesting thing I read in your blog was when I think of dignity, I think of respect and we clump dignity and respect together. And when you were saying Donna, Donna, um, Hicks talks about how those are separate. And so I, mm-hmm. I would love to hear a little bit more about that because I think a lot of people clump dignity and respect together. Yeah. So she talks about, um, dignity as inherent worth, right? We are, we all are inherently worthy. We all have value as humans and that value, um, and worth even though it can't be changed, we have it no matter what, it's also vulnerable. As humans, um, we, it can be injured. So we've got, we've got that. We've got dignity that we have no matter what, but it can be injured. And then we have um, respect, which is admiration that's earned for things that people do or say or accomplish. And we can respect a lot of different people based on what we value and based on what is happening, um, those people are doing. But even if we don't respect someone, we can still treat them with dignity, um, that they, that they matter, that they're human. Um, and, and that means things like, you know, not belittling them, not dehumanizing them, not treating them as, you know, less than human even if those people themselves are dehumanizing others. And I think that's when it's most difficult. That is definitely when it's most difficult. (laughs) Yeah. So if somebody's attacking your family, your values, your character, then how, how would that look if we were treating them with respect, but very much that if they are attacking us? I think it's important to remember that we have a choice for how we respond. And in the moment, you might want to 
go on the offensive and just lay into them. And um, that's a natural reaction. But if you know that you value dignity and that you want to treat people with dignity, even when they have not earned your respect, um, you have to respond based on what's true to you and how you want to be in the world. Because otherwise, they're dictating your response. You're letting the way that they are in the world influence and even dictate the way you are in the world if you just you know, come back swinging. And that doesn't usually help. One of the things that I looked into after this conversation, um, there are a lot of resources for different LGBTQIA plus um, organizations about how to have these conversations. And one of them was do not use words like, you know, homophobic and bigotry and those kinds of things. When you call someone a bigot, like you have just ended the conversation, right? So see the humanity of this person, know that people aren't born hating, that a lot of this is cultural and try to engage in conversation, which is what, which is what I did. And I'm not saying that that's always the answer. Sometimes the answer is, is an end to a conversation. It might even be an end to a relationship, but doing that on your terms instead of in a flurry of just back and forth um, anger and escalation is not super helpful mm-hmm. in any way. Did you go back to that person that had that conversation with you that initially sparked all of this? I didn't. We don't live in the same place. Um, but if I did, um, I would still have, you know, I would still interact and have, you know, conversations. I don't know that I would bring it back up, but I would um, proudly give an update of my daughter and her relationship if asked. And I think that I would ask more. I would ask more questions of this person and say, you know, tell me more about why you believe what you believe. And um, tell me more about um, where that comes from. And um, and then share also about my experience with friends and family. I think a lot of people are, who have this re- explosive reaction to someone who's different than them, they don't know anyone else who's different in that way. You know, they might not have uh, any friends or family who are who are different in a way that they think they've decided is bad. And as soon as you learn more about it, um, it can begin to expand uh, what you understand. And I think it's important for people who are in between. Um, so let's say someone who is gay and this person who is staunchly anti-gay, someone who's in between to have that conversation, it protects the person who is gay from this nastiness, and it also plants some seeds, right? So I think of that being what an ally is. An ally is doing the work, trying to decrease this, you know, reaction and hatred that could be aimed at someone who is gay. I find one of my favorite ways to learn about someone who isn't like me is through a book, like reading a book, a memoir, fiction, anything that that will open a whole new world to you. Like if you don't know any gay people, if you don't know any black people, read stories, mm-hmm. seek out their information um, and their life experience so that you can have a different 
um, an expanded viewpoint because we all have this one viewpoint and we just, we either stick to that or we keep expanding it and learning from other people. And I think that, that comes right back to dignity. Like you believe people are who they say they are. You believe their experience. You seek to understand them and give them the benefit of the doubt. These are all ways that we can show dignity and we can do it without hurting people. If we're having conversations with people that might be the go-between um, or reading books and, and having that experience um, without the direct connection at first, because a lot of times um, people who are in these groups that are discriminated against, they take direct fire from people who are treating them poorly. And I think that both books and allies are a great way to build a bridge of, um, of more dignified interaction. Are you saying that you need to be more educated on these topics or you would like them to find these resources to become more educated? Both. I am always learning and seeking out um, books and stories and different ways to, um, to grow, expand, to interact. And then also, I, as I'm learning from these, I like to share them with other people say, you know, there are, there are these websites or there are these books or have you ever read this or that kind of thing. And I find that people that are really stuck in a very strong opinion like that would not typically be open to um, other perspectives or reading books. I mean, that's been my experience. Like they're just completely shut the door. So it does feel like a little bit one-sided work here, right? Because we can only, we can only offer that and then it's up to them. And typically those people don't, don't follow through. They're not interested. I think of it as planting seeds because mm -hmm. you're right at a lot of times at the beginning, it's like a brick wall or they, they know that you're, you're wrong and they're right. And, uh, this really angers them. And, and, you know, you clearly don't know, but, um, but I think that if in talking with that person, um, we maintain a calm attitude, we share stories and we just model how comfortable we are with people who are different than we are. And judgment is a wicked heavy burden to bear, right? Like these judgments on whole groups of people, they're heavy and they don't feel good, right? Like we've all been there. And so I think that if given just a little door, like just a little invitation to learn more or to begin to um, consider that there may be other an expanded viewpoint for them, mm -hmm. right? And and some people, I think, never change their mind, and that's you know that is what it is. But I think a lot of people do. Um, a lot of people evolve over time what they think and what they believe. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting too when somebody has a very strong opinion about something, and you start to dig a little bit deeper. Oftentimes, they they can't back up their story. They don't really have the information behind it. They have this very very strong opinion. And yet when you start digging, they, they start floundering a little bit. Have you, have you found that? Yes. For both other people and myself, sometimes mm -hmm. when emotions involved, it's really hard to put it into words. And so that's one of the things that I've been working on is getting clear about what I believe and why. And, and I do think it's true that when you start talking about it, someone will say something just 
very simply, like, that's what I believe, or that's what I, I was taught. And well, why, or what about a lot of times there, it hasn't been fully, um, thought about or developed. So when you start talking, I think you can usually go deep pretty quickly if we're treating each other with respect. Because mm. I think if we go at it, like I'm truly curious, where did this come from? I know you, you are a loving person. Where is this coming from? Let's talk about it. And that tends to get somewhere quickly. Like that's, that's not staying superficial. That's going deep fast. Mm. And, um, that back to the seed planting, I think if you even help them question, wow, I just really, I, I hold on to that really inflammatory belief and I'm dismissing this whole group of people. And is that really, is that, is that really true to, to what I think and how I want to be with other people? So, um, mm -hmm. I think there are conversations worth having and I like having deep conversations. I'm not threatened by people who have conversations or who have uh, beliefs and opinions different than mine. Um, I like to collect them. I like to understand them. And a lot of times it either helps me understand them so that I have more so that then I can come back and be like, okay, well, let's talk about this because I still really believe <laughs> that um, we should treat people different than we are with respect. Um, but sometimes um, I've been on the receiving end of like, oh, I think this. And well, what about this, Jen? Did you think about this? Have you ever experienced this? Oh, no, I didn't. You know, and so so I think both we're constantly sharing what we've learned and taking in what other people know better than we do. And it takes a lot of humility um, because we humans like to be right. And we don't want to be embarrassed and we have to have this, like, like, teach me, let's talk about it. Let's understand Let's share our experiences, um, to, to constantly evolve in, in what we're, we're thinking because we each only have our own, our own experience. And we have to know that there's a lifetime of learning, you know, coming ahead of us, if we will mm -hmm. open up to it. I think there's a little bit of a difference when you speak about being the middle person, right? So in this situation that you're mentioning with your daughter, somebody had this deep opinion. Here's this um, group that's getting accosted and you're in the middle. But it is a little bit different when you're the person that's getting attacked. Your yeah. character, you, and somebody's coming full on and they're not treating you with dignity. They're not treating you with respect. They're coming in with a bunch of angst and, and then you're on the receiving end of that. And I find in those situations, it would be a lot harder to take a breath and to listen to their point of view, especially when they're attacking and treat them, treat them with dignity. I understand listening to their perspective, but if it's so hurtful and damaging, would it be right to, to be in that situation and, is it always possible to step back, take a breath and engage in a civil conversation when it's not civil on one end? I think there are definitely times when it's not possible. And I think that you have to decide, each person has to decide for themselves when to stay in the conversation and when to leave the conversation and what boundaries to put around it. Like, 
to feel that coming at you, you are, it's a threat, right? Your safety is threatened um, psychologically, emotionally, like feeling all the feels. But if you can, as you said, take a breath and remember, this is so much less about you than it is about their garbage, mm-hmm. you know, and that's super hard to remember in the moment. But if you can at all create some space between what they've just said and how you're going to respond, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and with that breath or two, you could say, I would be happy to continue this conversation, but I will only speak about it if this, this, and this, right? And whether whatever mm-hmm. it is for you to stay in this mm-hmm. back and forth. And if it's not, then the conversation ends. And I've had that happen before too. Like um, with people I care about deeply, look, if if this continues, we either need to change the subject or we need to get off the phone, right? Mm-hmm. Like I cannot, I will not um, continue listening to this at all. If you can create anything, like there's the reaction, right? You want to just Mm-hmm. <laughs> yell, scream, yes. uh, fight, flight, um, kind of thing. But if you can have that little bit of space and then if you can set the parameters for what this conversation looks like, and then it's their decision. Do they want to stay mm-hmm. in the conversation or not? And if they're not willing to, to, to engage in the way that you've said you will, then mm-hmm. conversation over. I think that's my issue with uh, Dr. Donna Hicks and the little bit that I've read about from her is that she talks a lot about inclusivity, a lot about inclusivity. And I feel that's really tricky um, because I do think sometimes self-preservation means walking away. And, um, and, and then there's also that side where we don't want to just be with people that have all the same thoughts and opinions as us, right? We want to, we want to learn a little bit more about other people, but the inclusivity part, I, I just really struggle with. So if there's, and, and especially if there's somebody that you're having to interact with a lot. So a family member or somebody that you're living with, um, a, a, a coworker and, um, from D- Donna's perspective, you want to include them and make them feel a part of the group and not have them feeling separate. And I just, I just can't wrap my head around that one. I mean, I think it's a continuum. So it's from here's someone you're absolutely going to shut completely out to here's your BFF that you're calling in the afternoon to download your day. Right. And you have to decide where, where and how much, um, to interact with that person. And then also what it looks like. Um, it's one thing to not want to, you know, go out of your way to spend time with someone outside of work, but it's another to be like, we're all going to lunch and you're not invited, you know, whatever that might look like. Or I think that, um, there are just so many steps in that, right? Like, is there a conversation to be had about what's really upsetting you? Because someone who, is, is upsetting you to the point that you don't want to be with them. They are clearly behaving in a way that goes counter to what you value and what's important to you. So is it possible to have a conversation about that? Is, is it possible to be, you know, vulnerable and honest in a way that we don't often do in, in our, you know, workplaces, especially. Um, And then 
figuring out how your behavior toward that person can align with what you believe to be true. If you believe that everybody should be treated in this certain way, maybe you find a baseline way of, you know, foundationally how you will interact with that person. And then again, back to the boundaries, you, you decide what additional time looks like or how, when you interact with them, if they are saying things that are offensive every time you have to go to their office and talk to them about something. I mean, that's, that's an opportunity to speak up. Like, I Mm. really believe this, this really hurts because this, um, and maybe, maybe they'll be awful, but also maybe Mm -hmm. they didn't have any idea and maybe they'll be embarrassed and they'll lash out who knows. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I think that one of the things that, that uh, Dr. Hicks keeps coming back to is this conflict resolution. Like we, if we, if we engage in it, right, we, we recognize both where our dignity has been violated and where we might have violated someone else's dignity. And then we put that into words and, and, and it opens up possibilities that weren't there. I, I kind of like that example as you're talking about including someone for lunch at work, right? So we all, everybody has this person at, that is really offensive. And every time they go out, they offend everyone or they're, they're hateful or they're derogatory or whatever it is. And, um, that would be, I've been known to do that. Like everybody let's go and and exclude this person because they're, they're dark and they're heavy and they're like taking the joy out of this, this hour that we have for lunch. But I do like the idea that you say that they might not know. And so maybe it would be to pull them aside within a kind, respectful manner and say, Hey, I just want to make you aware that when you're acting like this, it, it, it makes us feel like we need to pull away or it makes us not want to spend time or I don't know. I'm wording this horribly, but do it in a very kind and loving way. And then at least you put the ball in their court. You've given them the opportunity to change. And then my response would be, if this continues, then I would probably have lunch without them. Yeah. Um, but I, but I think sometimes I'm guilty of this. We want to pull back, avoid that person and not say anything. And I think that's actually a really great point because they might be completely clueless. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I'm definitely not saying you should have lunch with people you you don't want to have lunch (laughs) with, right? Like there's an intuition, there's a, there's a reaction, there's a, um, there's a chemistry between people and I, and I'm definitely not saying to force things, but, but yeah, if there are places where you can engage and, um, have that conversation and not escalate what's already happening because they're doing things and then we're doing things and then it's back and forth and then it gets bigger. Whereas if you, if you had that conversation in the smallest way possible, Mm -hmm. um, most times even awful people aren't nearly as awful as they seem, right? <laughs> like now, I had something happen on our street during COVID where our street was politically divided and it caused a big rift and, um, and with a lot of the neighbors. And since then, a lot of us have worked it out. And I've realized that I really, I like these people. I really don't like their political beliefs. And, um, and that's really a topic that 
should be avoided in our conversations all the time, probably, um, because there has been discussion and we cannot find a middle ground. And so it's accepting their differences and seeing them as an individual. That was really hard to do. It actually took me a a couple of years (laughs) to come around to like, okay, you're not a horrible person, even though you have these viewpoints. And I think now it's important to realize that everybody's the sum of their experiences up until that point. Right. And so all of my thoughts and beliefs and your thoughts and beliefs come from our family, our experiences, the people that we've met, the books that we've read. And that's, that, that's kind of like all we know. Um, and so I, I think that would be having not respect, not respect, respecting them as a, as a human and an individual um, and not respecting their beliefs. Yeah. To, it's hard to, give people the benefit of the doubt when you see or that your perspective is that they're coming from a place of, of hate or non-acceptance or judgment or cruelty. Um, yeah. So I'm curious what you think about dignity of self. I think that, um, so many of us are quick to, um, yank dignity from ourselves. We're, we're quick to listen to the inner critic. We're, we're quick to, um, you're not good enough. You're not whatever enough. And, um, I am hard pressed to think of anyone that I would ever treat the way that I talk to myself, right? Like like it could be someone saying or doing the worst thing. And I, I'm not sure that I would, you know, so there's this and that is not treating myself with dignity. So I, I constantly have to catch that and and work on it so that because it's not just treating each other with dignity, it does. It absolutely begins with ourselves. So mm-hmm. if we can um, find the benefit of the doubt for ourselves, if we can um find a little compassion for, for things that have happened, like instead of being this biggest, the biggest critic for everything. And I think it's so easy. This comes back to what um, we talked about at the beginning about the vulnerability of our dignity, right? Like your worth, my worth, it's inherent. We have it. It can't be taken away, but it can be injured. Our perception of it can be injured. And it's so easy to forget our dignity. It's so easy to forget that we matter, that we are worthy, that we are good enough because we have all had experience where someone has treated us with a lack of dignity. We've all had the experience where, well, I mean, we live in a culture where the main message is you aren't good enough in -hmm. order to sell things, right? Like you are you are to this or not enough that, but buy our product and yay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So we swim in that water of, mm-hmm. of inadequacy. So, mm-hmm. so it's really uncomfortable for us to think to ourselves, I am extraordinary. I am a worthy human being just by virtue of being alive right? We don't think of ourselves that way. And so it's also hard to think of others that way. But if we start thinking of ourselves that way, Mm -hmm. like 
I don't know anybody's mind like I know my own, and I'm the best and worst person I will ever know because I've access to all the best and all the worst stuff. And knowing that everybody else has that too, I think it has a way of connecting us. Um, and if we started treating each other with dignity and at a at an individual level, at a relationship level, and then ideally, eventually, um, this expands and our leaders, you know, sometimes we have leaders that believe in dignity and sometimes we have leaders who don't. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when, um, someone who is leading large, um, percentages of the population is treating people with a flagrant disregard for human mm -hmm. dignity, um, I think it inflames the situation and mm -hmm. it's easy to get in that back and forth, wrong us them thing because i feel like we we never really learn about dignity we learn to be nice we learn to but we when i was really looking into dignity and what it meant and she's talking about she's been studying and working in this field for decades and she kind of had to create you know what is the dignity model what does it mean and why don't why aren't we taught things like this in school like I feel like we should be taught how to breathe well and how to treat ourselves mm. and each other with dignity like that. You really should. That should be foundational <laughs> to our education. So do you think it starts with ourselves treating ourselves with dignity first, or do you think it it's about treating other people with dignity? And I almost feel like if we treat other people with dignity, then we're a little bit kinder to ourselves. So which one would be the one we work on first. <laughs> I love that question. I really think it's a chicken and the egg. I really mm -hmm. think anywhere you can put a little bit of anywhere you can do a little dignity, it helps, right? Like if, if you can um, give someone else the benefit of the doubt and see the beauty in someone else, even someone you really disagree with, then maybe you start to recognize when you beat yourself up for something that's, you know, um, or if you start to, um, really dig into who you are and what you believe and why you believe it, then you'll realize that every single person has, as you said, that background of stories, of education, of families, of culture. And, and you start to see, Hey, these people aren't evil just because they are right. And just because they exist, it, there's a, there are different, um, they believe different things. And sometimes, um, human behavior is awful. It's terrible. And I'm definitely not saying to um, ignore that. But what I am saying is go at the issues, not at the person, right? Like, don't waste a minute being like, that person is this, 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 this. No, they, they said something that um, really, really goes against what I believe to be true and what I value and, and, and then going at that issue. So whether, whatever it is that you care about. And I think that in, in the political world, we tend to just dump everything in a red basket or a blue basket, and we don't always sort out all the junk that's in there. And, um, and there's a lot of work to be done there. So to go back to your question, I think it's, it's definitely a two way street and any work that you do in either direction just strengthens 
dignity as a whole. When we mm-hmm. treat someone else with dignity, it strengthens our own dignity. When we work on um, treating ourselves with dignity, it strengthens our ability to um, treat others with dignity. And the reverse is true. When we, um, you know, dignity violations is what Dr. Hicks calls it. But when we violate somebody else's dignity, it also violates our own. Because if if we're willing to treat someone else poorly, that says something about what we think of the inherent worth of, of a human. Mm-hmm. And this all sounds really easy when we speak about it, but I know so many people that are conflict avoidant um, where I know so many people where they'll be really deeply hurt by what somebody says and they'll never say anything. Um, and that's really common. I think you and I are pretty outspoken and, um, it might come, not always, but it might come a little bit easier for us to take a step back and, um, and engage in that conversation. And I'm guilty of fight or flight for sure. Right. But there's a lot of people that aren't able to handle any kind of conflict. And so what, what advice would you give them? That's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I, so I would say because I'm someone who is who is so comfortable in engaging in these conversations, I would say if you are comfortable with them, create a space of safety for them, right? Like come off as curious and interested and open instead of coming off as explain yourself, you're wrong. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. so from that from that perspective, um creating a safe space to share what what they believe but for someone who is is really conflict avoidant or doesn't want to talk about those things um i would say that for relationships especially relationships that you care about deeply think of what you could gain with the smallest conversation like being being more open to hearing someone who thinks differently or having those conversations can actually um, deepen the relationship if they're done with dignity, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm not here to say anybody should, should engage in a conversation that they don't want to, but I do think that that, that that whole, we don't talk about anything that might be difficult really limits um, the depth of a relationship. Right. And I think that we need to, um, be less afraid of people thinking uh, mm-hmm. different things and be more curious about, Hey, let's like, what do we believe and why? And I've been there, you know, that, that original conversation we were talking about, I, I tried a little bit, but I did not, I was not equipped. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I had not been in that situation before and I was not ready. So it takes practice. I mean, I guess, from what I'm hearing, maybe a little piece of advice would be to start with teeny things, right? If somebody says something and and you feel safe with them, just starting little teeny bits of, of conversations and not biting off a big chunk. Right. (laughs) All the first thing is, right. That might be overwhelming or that might be, um, it might not turn out well and then you'd be scared. Um, Yeah. yeah. I love that. Practicing small steps, right? Like practicing small things and it is, and we're going to fail and it's going to be clunky, but engaging with people that you trust or that you, um, that you're really close to whose relationship 
that is important to you would be a good place to start. Mm -hmm. I guess the flip side of that is also starting with small steps on relationships that aren't important at all, right? Like, you know, a coworker that you barely engage with. Um, right. You know, then there's less and less, yeah, at stake, mm -hmm. but, um, and I think conversation is so important because in this day and age, face-to-face uh, -face is, is, is sadly becoming less and less common, right? And so would, would you say this to somebody's face? Would you say it over a phone call? Would you say it over an email, a text, yeah. and then a group chat when you don't know the person? And every degree of separation seems like sometimes people get a little bit more and more unkind. Um, as they get removed from that situation. And it sounds like having these face-to-face -face conversations can deepen our relationships. Um, but maybe we need to practice that more because we've become yeah. so removed and people have become so conflict avoidant that that's when we're shooting people nasty messages or nasty text messages or text messages get... Uh, misinterpreted so much. And yeah. so can we get back to just basic conversations with people? Yeah. And to, and to think more about, would I say this to someone? Would I send this in an email with my name on it? Would I, you know, right. Because as you said, it just spirals out of control and you get to this point where social media accounts without any name to it, um, things are, things are, really not pretty there, mm -hmm. you know? So like even just bumping it up, all right, would I, I'm going to send this, you know, text, uh, this irritated text. Would I say this to this person? Right. Would I say this? Mm -hmm. If Probably my sister not. were here right now, would I say this to her? Wait, what if, what, what, if I take that breath and I create some space in between what's just happened and my response to it, um, we could, completely de-escalate the situation. And the thing with text too, is sometimes we read things into it. It's not there at all. Right. Like mm -hmm. sometimes I'll get a text and I'll be like, what? And that's not at all. What is, <laughs> that's not what it, mm -hmm. what it meant, but we have a tendency to read something in our own, like, you know, imagination of what that person sounds like delivering it. And, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we're wrong. As your work as a meditation teacher, a yoga teacher, yoga therapist, physical therapist, you've got your whole rap sheet. <laughs> how, how are you incorporating this into your daily life? How are you incorporating this into your business? And um, what impact are you wanting to make with, with your work in this way? I'm hoping to bring dignity into people's thoughts and minds and conversations. And then um, when I zoom in to when I teach meditation, I have um, a series that I teach. It's called Meditation Meets Action. And each week is it's kind of a part that builds on, on the others. And it starts with dignity. The, the first module is about dignity and it's, it's teaching about these elements of dignity and, and talking about obstacles to dignity. And my hope is to be in community and conversation with a group of people who want to go deeper on this, um, self inquiry and, um, building tools for what to do when somebody, you know, lights, lights you up and you're, you feel the anger, right? What to do with the emotions and the reactions and 
to get really clear on what matters to us and how we want to be in the world so that then we take it into the world. And if we do our own work and it starts to ripple out into our relationships, like it, it just has, it has a huge impact. And that's my vision for this is a, uh, for my work is um, a safer, kinder, more just and joyful community, family world. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that you're offering right now and how can people find you and connect with you? And um, because I, I know you have a lot of things floating out there that can be super useful for people. Yeah. Um, so my website is jenwilking.com. And I have uh, one of the things that I have uh, a free resource is I used to teach with the physical therapy and yoga therapy therapy background. I used to teach a ton about breathing and um, teaching people to use their breath to um, to be calm, to be grounded, to be rooted, to to shift the nervous system um, mm -hmm. ebbs and flows. And um, so I have a free email course there that they can sign up for on my website. And it's just, it's six days of content and videos where I'm talking about the anatomy of breathing and how, um, how to affect the nervous system and then using um, guided meditation and cues uh, to really feel the breath. Um, I also have guided meditations on Insight Timer and you can find me on um YouTube uh, slash Jen Wilking and at Instagram, Jen.Wilking. All of these from my website at jenwilking.com mm -hmm. will get you to, to all the places. And then meditation meets action that I mentioned. I do that once or twice a year. So I think the next round will probably be in January of 2024. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you so much for this conversation. I think it, it has opened up my eyes a little bit. Um, how I can be a better person and how I can step back. And um, I've learned so much from deep diving into your blog and this conversation. And I just want to thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Nikki. I really appreciate it. And I love the work that you're doing and I'm excited to be part of it. Thank you for listening to the Connected Community Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share, and subscribe. I can be found at www.nikkiyyoga.com, N-I-C-K-Y-Y-Y-O-G-A.com. Until I see you again next week, I hope you have a beautiful day.